Brino. Got a special edition of the B3 podcast for you today. We're on summer hiatus, of course. Deco and and Todd and I talked quite a bit. Thought it'd be a good idea maybe to re-release an episode that we did uh, back on April 18th of 2021 when we interviewed Barreev head coach Trevor McConnell as the Vikings get ready to go play Lafayette Central Catholic in the state title baseball game. So hope you enjoy this. You know, we, we while we got the summer off, we will always reserve the right to turn the mics back on. And I uh, thought this would be at least a good opportunity to uh, put up a show that maybe you missed or haven't gone back in the archives and listened to. But Coach McConnell's got a great story, unique experiences of, of growing up. And, and then uh, he talks about how he got uh, got hired at Bar Reeve and, and his journey that, that led him to to the big day that that comes uh, on Saturday. So hope that you enjoy that. What a season it's been for the Vikings. Start off a little slow, one and three, and now they've ripped off 28 in a row, which is in in high school baseball with, you know, what a lot of times limited arms, and and it, it's unheard of to, to win that many games in a row, and, and they've done it for the most part in pretty convincing fashion. So good group of kids, great group of coaches, and uh, obviously, it goes without saying the B3 podcast fully behind the Vikings as they go up there on, on Saturday at Victory Field. Of course, if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday morning, don't forget Mike DeCourcy, our very own voice of the Vikings. He's going to have the, the road to, to victory at 3 o'clock. Pre-game show comes on at 4, and then the first pitch is at 4.30. And, of course, that is on the general, or you can stream that on WAMWAMFM.com. All right, well, without further ado, let's get to our interview from April 18th, 2021 with Bar Reeve head coach Trevor McConnell. I told you via text message this week when I had the idea to, to bring Trevor on, I said, I, th- I think he's got a childhood story that that laps uh, everybody. So before we get into the baseball side of things, Trevor, I mean, okay. uh, you're you're, ba- you're, you're a, a well-traveled, you know, we, we have military brats. You're kind of a sports brat. Yeah. Talk, talk about your upbringing. Talk about your dad for a second. Yeah, so so my dad, um, he, he finished his career uh, as a financial advisor in Bloomington uh, for about the last 10 years. But previous to that, he spent about 30 years as a college football coach. Wow. Um, he, he got his start at um, – he played at the University of Maine, and then he was a grad assistant at the University of Colorado under um, – Bill Mallory was out there. Oh, wow. Um, then his first paid job was uh, Ball State, which is where he met my mom. I think that was – um, you know, in the 1970s. And then he uh, was at UMass, and then um, he got to know Jerry DiNardo pretty well. Um, somewhere up in the Northeast, uh, small small college somewhere, they, they uh, kind of crossed paths. So then when DiNardo got the Vanderbilt job, he left UMass. That was in the early 90s, I think, uh, like 90 to 94 was uh, Vanderbilt. And then he followed him to LSU. Um, and that was 95 to 99. Um, Donardo got fired at uh, LSU, uh, and then he ended up uh, at IU. Now, he didn't bring my dad to IU initially. Um, there was kind of some uh, – the, the AD at uh, IU's brother was a receiver's coach, and that's what my dad's kind of 
uh, his, his strongest position uh, as far as being a position coach was. So, uh, but, but he was able to help him get the uh, Bloomington South job because Bill Mallory was on the search committee um, and Donardo had just been hired. So uh, my dad wanted to get out of Baton Rouge. It was just kind of weird living in a town where you had been fired and uh, <laughs> living in Baton Rouge when, when all anybody wants to talk about is LSU football and you kind of don't want to hear right. about it anymore. Yeah. He, he was ready for a move, and my mom was born and raised in Muncie, so this was kind of like coming home. Uh, he was able to get the, the Bloomington South job, spent two years there, um, and then – Donardo called and had, had a spot on his staff. Uh, so my dad went uh, over across the street to IU, uh, lasted one season, and that's when, when Donardo got the ax. So uh, <laughs> terrible timing. You yeah. Know, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. But yeah, we, we've been all over the country. And uh, I think now that I'm in my mid-30s, um, and, and I tell these stories like I, I'm having a greater appreciation for how cool it was yeah. and some of the things that I got to experience. Well, you, you told a story last year where we were in the hallway and I, I, w I wouldn't say you were dismissive about it. But, you know, when I was in, you know, elementary school, junior high, uh, you know, the bus took me to a spot and then I walked home. And some days my parents were at work. Some days my mom. Some days I went to my grandma's. The bus, you, you got dropped off at Tiger Stadium after school. That was your playground. What was what <laughs> yeah. was that like? Yeah, so it, it was awesome. Um, it was amazing. And like I said, I at the time, I just, I just you take stuff for granted like anybody. That's, yeah. that's your reality. Um, but, yeah, looking back, it was awesome. Uh, I went to LSU Lab School, uh, which is kind of the teaching prep school for LSU uh, ed majors. And it's right on campus. So I would either take a bus uh, or just walk, um, you know, and, uh, go out to the practice field. And, yeah. and I think my story probably involved, uh, if you've ever been around a division one football practice, pretty much after stretching the kickers and punters just get exiled, right. um, yeah. and, and go, you know, quote unquote work on their craft. Right. And so they, it was, they had this great big indoor facility, of course, the kickers go in the indoor facility. It's like 100 degrees outside, humid in Baton Rouge. And the kickers go in the air conditioning indoor facility. And they're supposed to be working. But uh, I end up playing like a – we orchestrate like a two-hand touch, you know, game with the punters and kickers. And we're, <laughs> we're just, you know, like into the game. Everybody's competitive. But nobody's working on kicking. Um, <laughs> I'm running pass patterns and the starting punters throwing bombs to me. And Donardo walks in. And I mean, he, he goes ballistic, you know, oh, and he's, no. he starts mother effing everybody. And, uh, you know, I'm probably in like fifth grade, you know, right. so I'm just scared shit. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it was amazing, man. It was, that was every day. And, uh, I got to go on a lot of the road games, got to, uh, I actually for a while had a job like, uh, this was back before the wireless headsets. And uh -huh. I can tell you guys the most stressful job ever is being a cord boy oh, wow. um, for, for division one college football coaches. Like, so I was, I would hold the cords for my dad. Um, and you know, he would take off running to yell at a referee and like pull all the slack out real uh -huh. quick. And then the headset would jerk <laughs> off his head and he'd turn around. And, and it wasn't rip. his fault. No, it yeah, wasn't right, his yeah. fault. It was my fault. You know? So, 
after about two years of that, I was like, you know, I think I just want to go to the tailgate with mom and sit up in the stands. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still my uh, preference right now. Tailgating. To, yeah, to be at the tailgate. Sitting with the moms. That's, yeah. that's what, Were yeah. you at LSU with when uh, Jasper's Matt Mock was the quarterback down there? That was just after. So Nick Saban replaced uh, Donardo, and that was right after. So, um, but, but I remember hearing, you know, that was before I moved up here, but everybody had talked about like, Hey, this dude was a stud in baseball. Um, and, and, uh, went to a small, you know, high school in Indiana. So I, I heard the connection even when I was down there at the time, you know, I got two, um, Donardo things real fast. Okay. One, I was at IU, uh, for a game the day they introduced him on the basketball floor. And you have never listened to as tepid a response <laughs> from the IU fans as when Jerry DeNaro walked out yeah. on them. They was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is really exciting. Something like that. The other one was I was up at Notre Dame with a friend. We were watching, uh, oh, it is Ty Willingham's um, Stanford team. Yeah. So that's, that's the era. And we were in the very top row of the new edition at Notre Dame. And this guy in a Notre Dame letter jacket sits down three spots from me. And guy kind of goes, that's Jerry DiNardo. He's going to be Notre Dame's next coach. I said, not if he's sitting where we're sitting. What would Bryce and Graber say if he heard that? Uh, not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. happen. So, you know, to extend on the LSU thing here for just a second before we get into the Blooming side, Bloomington side, though, Trevor, it's uh, – uh, you know, you and your, your brother, uh, and, and I know your family, when LSU made that run, it's, it, it's like, you're still connected. You guys, uh, you know, before all this COVID crap stuff, uh, you, you would meet up for a couple of games. I know you went down a couple of times, the national championship game. Uh, and you know, you still have family down there. Yeah. My brother still, uh, he lives in Baton Rouge still. Uh, he married a Southern bell. So he's, it's like marrying into the mafia. Like he's he's in. You know? he, he, did, he, did <laughs> not leave. he didn't luck out and marry an English teacher like no, you. His his uh, his father in law is a state senator in Louisiana, so he's uh, he, he's hit the jackpot though. She's she's a sweet girl, and uh, he's got two two young kids. That she's not going to listen to this. Go ahead if you want to layer. No, she's awesome. She's awesome. He's really lucky. But yeah, so we he's he stayed down there, and it was one of those deals, Mike. To, to answer your question, it was my dad was so pissed about the way things went, you know, naturally, and uh, so for a while it was I I kind of had to be like a closet LSU fan, uh, um, yeah. you know. You didn't want to like talk about it too much, um, and then I, I I can't even put a date on it when it was enough time had passed that it was just kind of like, Dad, like LSU's awesome, like you know I'm so, like you indoctrinated us into it and we can't shake it. Right. Like if you've ever been to a Saturday night in Death Valley, you don't you just can't shake it, man. You, it's you it's, a, the, it, it's an awesome place. Yeah. You came out of the LSU closet, is what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. So and, and, much and to like your I father's said, chagrin. Yeah, and like I said, I can't uh, I can't put an, a, a certain date on it, but it was just like okay, I don't have to like hide this anymore. Like going to games there is awesome, you know, and uh, <laughs> and I still root for them. And yeah. you know, uh, we were actually able to go see, and and it was kind of neat for me that like he went from you know 
being upset, which that's human nature. You know, you get axed, and uh, but it's part of coaching. But he was not happy with LSU, and he didn't like LSU for a long time. But we went to uh, – it, it was almost like he finally had bridged that gap himself with – and enough time had passed. We went to uh, – it was Joe Burrow's last game in Tiger Stadium when they just – uh, stomped Texas A&M and he ran out with the like EAUX on the jersey for senior night you yeah. know yeah and um and my dad yeah it was the first game he had been back in Tiger Stadium since he had been fired and uh, uh you know he was able to kind of reflect it he's like you know I hate the way it worked out everything but he's like coming back here now like this is pretty darn cool well, like, it, it, it's it, just it's, amazing that we were able to be a part of this and, and um, you know, so it was like, even he was like, I get it, man, this is awesome. <laughs> well, and, not, and not to equate basketball to football and I know things are different, but a lot of it's probably like, like Bob Knight coming back to IU. Uh, not, not that it's at that level or anything, but a lot of the, those decision makers and, uh, you know, there had to be, everything had to have turned over in that time too, where oh, the, yeah. right. people yeah. who made those calls were gone. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. when I saw you guys last year at the, uh, at, at, at big Olaf's eating ice cream, you know, no one had an LSU Jersey on and your, and your dad was with him. So oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, you know, we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's 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 buried the hatchet on that one. It's uh, it's you know, he's all good with it. But yeah, it was it was neat to kind of see him make that like just epiphany moment. Like you know, it's been enough time. Yeah, you know, screw it. I'm gonna cheer for him. <laughs> well, let me get to the the heart of the matter here. Okay. First and foremost, we were talking about tailgating. How different? <laughs> oh no! Listen, this is why people tune in. How different is if you're at the Grove at Old Miss, if you're at LSU, if you're in an SEC school, how different is the tailgating environment? Mike and I both went to big football schools. I went to Purdue and he went to USI. Okay. So, <laughs> so obviously, you know, and, we've and got I a went where different. Tony Romo went. Uh, um, you can't live off that forever, Brian. <laughs> what else? I don't have anything else. <laughs> but I mean, I, it, that's a whole different experience. They take that seriously down there with the, the coat and ties and the madras, yeah. Yeah. madras it, pants yeah and everything it's it's like its own little subculture i mean it's crazy like my brother actually for a while paid into like a almost like a homeowners association you know when you pay and you and you you know they mow the grass and he paid into this deal with a bunch of guys but like they just put all the money in a pot and and so then it was like they had a tent and they had a margarita machine and they had it all catered i mean it's it's like a big production but yeah it's crazy but i will say uh i i did take my brother-in-law down for an lsu game uh, and the one thing, you know, he was, he went to IU with me and what he was blown away with was like, everybody's partying, tailgating, having a great time. And then about two hours before kick, it's like this max ex- mass exodus. Everybody starts packing their stuff up and it's just, and he's like, dude, what's going on? And I'm like, everybody's going to the game. Like people actually go yeah, into yeah. the game here. <laughs> yeah. Because you're right. Like, the, yeah, they want to party, but they also want to go in and watch the game. Which was the opposite of yeah, IU yeah. until very yeah, recently. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, hey, real quick, let's just take a quick break here and talk about for good Mexican tailgating food, if you wanted to. I'm sure they could cater it for for the next Bari baseball tailgate, but that is Casa Sevilla in Odin. That right needs there. to be in the press box on Tuesday night. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a good uh, a good press spread when Mr. Yeah, Lancaster comes right. up to to go. cover the game. 
They are on 100 Northwest Street in Odin, 812-636-2000. A great big old menu with all kinds of your great Mexican favorites. And like I said, they can cater your party, handle your big group. Just give them a call, 812-636-2000. Casa Sevilla, the house with flavor. So I was going to ask you, and I was going the same way you were about SEC schools, kind of one of my bucket list things. I've never been to one of the big-time SEC. I'm assuming you went to every single single one of the, the stadiums in the SEC. And, yeah, and pretty much. Other than Death Valley, what's your favorite? Um, Tennessee is really cool. I haven't been there recently since they've been down. Um, but, like, back when Tennessee was Tennessee, yeah. with the, you know, Peyton Manning, T. Martin, that was a pretty crazy place. Um, the swamp is really neat in Florida. Um, I mean, they're all cool in their own right, you know, cause like even, even the smaller, like an old miss doesn't ha- have the, uh, Roman Coliseum capacity, but the tailgating is yeah. really cool there. So they all, they're, they're unique and, um, they all kind of have their own little character and flavor, but it, it's, it's definitely, you know, they're all, they're all cool. It's just, you know, those SEC fans, it's just so in their blood. I remember years and years ago. I was working at a company and our new regional manager was out of Georgia and he's a big Georgia Bulldogs fan. And he comes in and meets the staff and as he's talking and he probably mentions Georgia football five or 10 times. And, and all these people in Evansville are looking at each other like, what the hell? Like, why does he keep talking about it? Like, you don't understand. Like it's a, it's a way of life. It is man. Like, you know, we're sitting here talking sports. I mean, talk radio down there and their baseball program is is really good or traditionally has been and their basketball recently has been pretty competitive but like it's you know day after the season it's still like okay what's the recruiting trail look like you know what what assistant coaches are turning over i mean it's just it's it's 365 days a year so you you go from that you know that environment your brother's still there obviously you know it's kind of in the blood and then you end up in Bloomington, Indiana, and and for you and your family, like you said, your mom is from here. It's it's normal, but but that had to be culture shock for a lot of you guys yeah. moving back. Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely different, um, and, and you know it was hard for me because the the school that I was attending at uh, in Louisiana, my freshman year, we had just won state in football and baseball, um, oh, so. Wow. You know, I it was hard for me because um, I had a lot of friends and it was a great place. And um, but but I was so happy for my dad to just I know he was so miserable down there with just, you know, like I said, he, he the last thing he wants to talk about is LSU football. And like yeah. you said, with the Georgia guy, that's all anybody else right. wants to talk about. So but yeah, it, it was it was way different, um, you know, but but it was. Uh, it was a good different in its own right. Uh, I was kind of at that point ready for a change too. Um, I, I was probably leaning more uh, where my dad was on that spectrum as a 15 year old kid. Like, yeah, you know, it's kind of embarrassing that, you know, your dad was a coach and now he got fired and that's all anybody wants to talk about. Yeah. Um, so it was a good change for me as far as just a fresh start from that stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, a, a different environment, different atmosphere. So, so you end up at one of the premier athletic, you know, high schools in the state, Bloomington South, and they've been, you know, good at so many different things. You know, m- most recently with with Coach J.R. Holmes in basketball and the all time winningest coach. But, How they do uh, against Barreve this year, by the way? Well, they uh, 
They lost. We, we, we <laughs> myself and Trevor, we handed them an L and we, we sent them back to Bloomington. That's exactly yeah. right. But you know, they, that was, they ended up having a decent yeah, year. That, that was really a good night for me because, you know, I, I got to shake everybody's hand and stuff and then we won. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I was like, hey, you know, good to see you guys. Uh, better luck next time, you, you know. You talked about they went on to have a pretty good year. Were they missing one or two? They were uh, missing a really key player. One, one yeah, player okay. that night. Yeah. And, and, and then they also had a kid who, who just who missed the entire season. You know, guys, oh, I, I, and I, I'm, I'm obviously biased, and I got to know Coach Jones a lot when I was a student, but also I spent five years working there as a teacher. Um, I, man, he's, he's, he's good. And I think probably this year was probably one of his best coaching jobs as far as getting what he got out of those kids. Because, um, you know, I think he had a potential – uh, Mr. Basketball and the Hickman kid that didn't play at all. Um, and, you know, for, for what they were able to do was pretty remarkable. Um, so moving to Bloomington um, and you basically become, you know, talk, talk about your high school athletic career. It's, yeah. it's uh, you know, you're, you're moving into Bloomington, Indiana. And basically, you know, we've seen you in the Bar-Eve uh, senior faculty game. <laughs> and it's, uh, I, I had a couple of the, the volleyball girls who said, you know, I don't know about Trevor and basketball, but I know for a fact he would win the Bar Eve cage fighting competition <laughs> if there was ever a tournament. So you got that going for yes. you. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely. And like you said, it's been on full display. Uh, basketball was not my thing. I now I Mike, I, I always take pride, though, Mike, in the fact that as long as I played competitively, in basketball, which was up through my eighth grade year, I was in the starting five because I played great defense. I would steal the ball. I would pass the ball. I would rebound. I would do all the stuff that a lot of people didn't want to do. But, yeah, I, my skill level was not very good. What? I had no time. I was the guy that would, like, um, I would steal the ball, go coast to coast, and brick the layup, you know. <laughs> um, speaking of basketball, though, you're talking about my, uh, my childhood going back to um, Louisiana. So you see, you've seen how bad I am at basketball. I, I just, I think you have a limited offensive skill set. Yes, that's as, all. As, so as that's what Jeff was talking there. Somebody was going to have to babysit Claire next year during the game. I think maybe it was. Well, maybe. it just depends on how the substitution <laughs> yeah. patterns. Go. I've I've heard. Um, you know, Albert say we, we look for a lot of different things in a Barry basketball player, but, you know, being able to score the basketball is pretty key. <laughs> so I don't think I would check that box. But going back to the Louisiana history that you guys would laugh, um, I ended up because of my dad's connection to LSU when he was coaching on a on a team like a I don't know if you'd call it a travel team or just a you know youth team. But that team had uh, on it. It had Glenn, big baby Dave. Davis, oh and it had um, uh, Garrett Temple, who's yeah. still in the league, I think, yeah, or just so. retired. So, so you can imagine me on that team, and I, like after the first practice, and we practiced in this. Uh, it was a funeral home, and and they had just this old auxiliary gym on the north side of Baton Rouge. It was kind of a rough area, and I remember coming home from the first practice, and I'm like, Dad. What what in the heck did you put me on this team for? Like these guys are monsters, you know. And uh, it it was one of those. Uh, if I ever shot the ball, uh, Collis Temple was our coach. Who uh, he had a great career at LSU, yeah. and uh, I was like every time I shot, he's like, "No, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing?" Once in a while, one would go, and he's like, "Don't do it again." So uh, you you get to Bloomington. You're at Bloomington South. Um, yeah, how, how quick did you figure out baseball was, was kind of your thing? Well, like I said, I played in a really – baseball in Louisiana is, like, 
huge, you know, I mean, like b- baseball and football. And I think that's why I gravitated to that when I got here, um, down there, that's what it is. Like, uh, basketball in Louisiana is shrunk into like two months. It's like yeah. December and January and that's it. And, and, um, so that's kind of what I fell in love with down there. And, uh, I was fortunate enough to be like the Skip Bertman days of LSU baseball, watch them win a couple national titles. So, um, yeah, that was just what I gravitated to. I kind of just, you know, fell in love with that stuff in Louisiana and came up here. And, and we had a solid baseball program at uh, Bloomington South. We were not elite, um, but we, we won more than we lost, and we played in a tough conference. And we had a Hall of Fame coach in Greer Warner who pushed us hard. And um, and then, you know, Bloomington South had tr- tremendous football tradition with Rex Grossman and some of those teams they had in the 90s. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a cool place to be. Yeah. Um, so you end up at IU playing baseball. How did that happen? Well, I was, uh, I, I owe a lot of that to, I was fortunate enough to, um, play on the Indiana Bulls travel organization in between my junior and senior year. Um, and, 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 and if, they, if we, we've got a lot of basketball experts that listen, but people who do not know the, the Indiana Bulls, they're kind of like the, the Indiana elite on the basketball side. It's the preeminent yeah uh, travel baseball organization yeah, they, in, in 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 the state definitely and so i was fortunate enough to earn a spot on that team and i think that's really what you know i was getting some looks um but then i had a really good summer with them um and had had some interest from purdue had some interest from uh different you know like uh different schools that were kind of nibbling but you know nobody had made a solid offer and then coach morgan bob morgan was the coach at iu um, he, he called and offered me, um, a, you know, basically a 50% scholarship to play baseball. And it was a no brainer for me, which in college uh, baseball is yeah. pretty, a lot of places. That's about yeah. as good as you. Yeah. I mean, I th- I forget yeah. the numbers, but it's like 13.5 scholarships for a 35 man roster. So, and, uh, so it was a no brainer for me. I had met a lot of friends cause I had gone to high school for three years kind of been around the IU culture when you're a Bloomington kid you're a townie as as we were called up there by the uh, college kids you're a townie if you're actually from Bloomington Uh, but I I did kind of you know fall in love with the IU culture and um, and and it was just it was right there it was a good school my mom went there so she had kind of instilled that in me you know that pride in IU and uh, for me, it was it was a great opportunity, yeah. so I as, t- took as, it and ran with it. As you were starting to get recruited, getting noticed, were you in the back of your mind? Were you wanting to head back south a little bit? I honestly just was trying to keep an open mind, and yeah. that was and, and I think that was my dad's, uh, you know, him being a college coach and knowing the recruiting thing. He he was just kind of like, look, you need to just keep an open mind and evaluate what your decisions are, um, you know, or evaluate what opportunities you right. have, and, and and that's what he said. He'd just seen too many cases is where guys get their heart set on one or right. one, one thing and if it doesn't come to fruition then you just have this empty feeling so he's like just kind of see what hand you're yeah. dealt uh and then once you know what you have and what you don't have you can kind of put it in the pot and make a decision yeah. you know so so you end up you, you you commit to to coach morgan who by the way had a fantastic uh uh, daughter who who uh, I think yeah. played at the University of Notre Dame and played yeah. basketball there, and then and then you're there for kind of the transition where where IU baseball I mean they 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 really make a leap especially you know as as they start changing coaches talk about that a little yeah bit. it was interesting I mean I actually never got to play for Bob Morgan he recruited me and signed me and then he 
he was kind of pushed out by Rick Greenspan. Um, Good God. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I you How know. do you feel about that, Mike? Oh, Rick Greenspan. Oh, that, uh, I just, the Mike Davis era. Yeah, just, my, so, head, my head hurts. So he, you know, he did hit a home run higher with Tracy Smith, though, yeah. um, obviously. Um, so I was, I was fortunate enough to play for Tracy. Um, I think like any coach, um, when they take over a program, they're trying to free up as many scholarships as they can to bring yeah. in their own guys. I think that's the natural progression. So he, it was pretty hellacious there early on. Like he was on a mission to clean house and get, get rid of guys. Um, but you know, I didn't back down from the challenge and, um, and, and I think he respected that about me. I just, I kept working hard and, um, and was able to earn a spot and, and stay in the program. And, um, so yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, I obviously I didn't end up if you, if you look at my stats and things like that, I didn't end up being a major contributor on the field, um, you know, but uh, to, to my credit, I guess if you look at it, it's uh, I was kind of an I was an outfielder um, and, a, and a kid named Kip Schutz who played at Evansville Harrison ended up getting uh, getting drafted uh, a kid named Andrew Means, who was a football wide receiver um and ended up playing baseball um so i was behind some dudes and and that's a credit to tracy like he was recruiting really high level players um and and i just kind of got you know i was I, I was pretty good but i was just his job was to win baseball games and and i didn't get on the field as much as i would like um but i did carve out a role for myself being a late inning pinch runner steal a bag and then stay in defensively okay uh in the outfield but um but I was able to win the, the Hoosier Award um, two years in a row, which is kind of like, you know, um, leadership, uh, academics, being a good teammate, all, all the things that you build a program on. And I, I take great pride in that. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to measure success. And like I said, you know, any competitor, you look back and, yeah, I wish I would have had a better career. I wish I would have um, gotten a few more opportunities and, and been able to do a few more things on the field, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, as far as the experience of being a big 10 baseball player. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, I also think, um, I learned a ton, um, from coach Smith, just being, you know, um, sometimes when you're not in the game and you're watching every little decision that's made right. and you're kind of, if you're playing, you just get locked into your one little, you know, okay, I'm the left fielder. I got to field the ball and hit the cutoff, man. But I was able to kind of watch the way he managed pitchers, the way he made in-game decisions. Um, and, and I picked up a lot from him and, uh, yeah, yeah he was a, he was a great mentor for and, me. And, and, and he had to, you know, respect you because even when you're done, he keeps you around. Talk about your, you know, oh, the, yeah. po the post career. Now, what year, what years did you play? So I played, uh, 2005 to 2000. 2008 okay. was my when I came into the program and yeah so he he wanted to keep me around as a uh kind of a volunteer slash student assistant um again in college baseball they're so limited with what they can do um so he coaching. wanted to use you and not pay you <laughs> <laughs> pay me camp money okay. you know or whatever creative way they like could. we do with all our cast of interns yeah uh, yeah thank you Sam but, yeah. but uh <laughs> So I was, I was all set to do that. You know, I was like, I knew I wanted to coach, um, and it was a great opportunity. Um, and so that was kind of what I was locked into. Um, and then, uh, Ty Mungle, who was the superintendent at Eastern green at the time called Tracy, um, because it was, it was January of 2009 and they didn't have a baseball coach. Um, somebody had left, you know, abruptly 
And he so he called Coach Smith and was like, "Hey, you know, we're just seeing if you know anybody, um, good young guys that would want to come plug in and be a high school coach and teacher." And um, I hadn't really thought a whole lot about going that route, especially being in the position I was in, um, being involved and kind of plugged into the IU program. But but Coach Smith brought me in. And he said, "Look, I tell you this reluctantly because selfishly I want to keep you." He said, "But I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't be doing you." any favors by not just letting you know that there's an opportunity out there and so he kind of told me what it was and i applied for the job at eastern green um they offered it to me and so then i kind of had that decision you know and 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 i talked a lot with my dad um which he's always kind of the guy especially anything coaching wise i kind of lean on because he's been through it you know and um you know, I was just like, you know, the, the college route is really appealing, you know, and, and basically what he told me was like, Hey, you know, you know, do, do what you think is right. Trust your heart, trust your gut. He said, but, but he said something that kind of stuck with me was like there, once the glory wears off, you know, cause he's like, there, there's quote unquote glory in being a college coach. He goes, that wears off pretty quick. And what you find is that you're just never home. You're, you're always recruiting. You're right. always, yeah. he goes, you have no control over where you live. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and he just said, you know, kind of, he never really said it, but it was kind of like fill in the blank that there was some regret about um, just, just not having as much stability and, and as much time off um, and as much, time around the family and he was a great father i mean he was he was at as much as he could be but it's a very demanding lifestyle to be a college coach you know and um i think it it just got me thinking like do i want to have any control over where i live um do i want to have to be on the road recruiting all the time and miss my own kids things and stuff like that and um i talked to ty neal who was the pitching coach at iu about it at that time you know and he he kind of had a similar sentiment you know because he had he came into the program as a single guy and then in my time actually in my playing time he had met his wife and had his first kid and that's what he said to me he goes man when i was single this was great yeah because it was awesome i was the pitching coach of iu and i was single he goes now i've met you know my wife and we have our first kid and he goes it is it's it's changed my perspective and it's a lot tougher um so long story short i was very prayerful about it and made the decision to go to eastern green and um and be their high school coach and um i so i had just gotten a degree in kinesiology that i was uh you know now i'm like okay now i want to be a high school teacher um so i was like great uh that was an awesome investment uh you know i uh, wish i would have kind of come to that realization earlier but um everything happens for a reason but yeah. but yeah so i was at 23 able to get a head coaching job with no experience other than helping tracy smith out so well and i and i think you know amber can really attest to the difficulties of being married and and coaching we don't even have to get into volleyball i've got nothing but i'm coming back at lancaster later uh, so what, you, you do the thing at eastern green for a while um you end up back at bloomington south uh yeah. you know where, where both you and your wife are from and then um and Barry comes calling like, I mean, how in the heck does that happen? And, and not only that, but how in the heck there's not really a logical connection no. uh, other well, it's than 40 miles away. I, I mean, mean, it's, 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 but you've got, you've got, you've got your, your parents right there, right, right down the road. Right. I mean, you've got her parents right there, right down the road. How, how did it all unfold? Yeah, it's, uh, 
it's kind of a it, it is kind of surreal mike and and honestly if you would have told me in uh 2000 you know 18 which, which was my last year at bloomington south like you're gonna end up at bar or eve i would have told you you're crazy um so long story short, I'll try to give you the abbreviated version is like, I, I knew I wanted to be a head coach again. And, and I was, I, I was fortunate enough. I hit Eastern green at the right time. You know, we had great kids, great families. I was able to win two sectionals there. Um, and, and I think really changed the, the culture there and, and, you know, um, was building a good program there, but it was really the AD job that I was burnt out on. So I was the AD. Um, they were paying me like peanuts and I was working 18 hours a day. Um, and, and so my wife got pregnant with our first, uh, kid Nolan. And, and so when Bloomington South and, and it all timed up where I had just gotten my teaching degree finalized for special ed, Bloomington South's principal, who was my principal when I was a student called, it's like, Hey dude, there's going to be a job. So it was just a logical time. Not that I, I hated honestly to give up the, the head coaching job. And I loved what I was doing from a program standpoint there, but it was just the AD job was killing me. And with, with my first kid coming, it was time. So I went to Bloomington South was there uh, for five years. And, and like Mike said, I, I always had in the back of my head that I wanted to be a coach, a head coach again. Um, you know, and I just, but I wanted to be picky about it. I was just not going, and I had some opportunities, you know, where people would call and not to be like stuck up, but it was like, nah, no thanks. You know, I'm at my alma mater. I'm at a great place. I yeah. live five minutes from school and I loved what I was doing there from a teaching standpoint. And, and it's a good place. It's a lot like Bar Reeve, honestly, from a staff standpoint up there, there's a lot of great people. And, um, so you know, I had kind of mutual friends with Travis Madison and, and anybody who knows Madison, he's not always thinking about today. He's thinking five years into the future and what's the long term plan. And I think Todd Lancaster calls him an alley cat from time to time with alley. With, was that the phrase that you use where he's so. where, where he's always got a he, he's he's a he, he's got a plan. He's yeah. got a you know, there's a he is. You talk about not not he's, just he's my I'm maybe I call him Gandalf because he's <laughs> wizard. like Well, but not not maybe alley cats negative but uh where, where he's he's not thinking about the next move but what happens after that next right move? and and so i think you know the the, the mutual friends that we had was kind of like you know i think he kind of hey you know any good young baseball coaches because rodemaker i can't he can't do this forever um and we got to have a succession plan we don't just want to turn it over to some dad or some lay coach we want to have a plan in place um and when i was at eastern green um I remember coming down here in the summer for a Babe Ruth game. Um, and it was like, I came over that bridge, the old bridge that comes over the railroad. And there was like on the softball field and those little fields, there was just gobs of kids practicing baseball and softball. Um, a lot of parent involvement, you know, and then we went over and this was when Lester was the head coach. Nathan Lester was the head coach. Field was in great shape. Nathan was a fiery young guy, you know, running a good program. And I remember on the bus ride back, just like talking to my assistant. And I was like, man, that just, that's a cool little place, dude. Like, you know, I mean, they've got kids playing everywhere. There seems to be a lot of parent involvement. The facilities are nice. They take pride in what they're doing. Like, I just, I remember saying like, that would be a really good job to have probably if you could plug into a place like that. But it was just kind of like an off, offhand comment, you know, and, um, so when my buddy who's mutual friends with Travis kind of called him was just like, Hey, 
I know this is going to sound crazy, but, uh, and you're probably just going to tell me no, but, you know, Barry's starting to think about a succession plan with Rodemaker. Um, and, you know, would you even be interested? And I was like, funny, you should ask. I was yeah. like, uh, you know, rewind three years ago. I, I was like blown away when we went down there, like how nice it was and how many kids they had involved for a 1A program. I think they had like three Babe Ruth teams. You know, they had like a red, black, and a white. Um, a lot of participation. That's so they could get to basketball practice. There would always be one big yeah. rotation. So, <laughs> There'd so, be enough kids still, still able to practice basketball. So I, t I, I told my buddy, I was like, you know, it's really ironic that you mentioned Bar Reeve. I said, that's kind of one of the places in the back of my mind. I said that I've always just kind of thought that's a really cool place. It's kind of like a hidden gem. And, and, and um, you know, I said, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would be interested in talking to these guys and just seeing what, what, what you know, what the deal is. So so I came down and met Travis and Aaron and, and, and Jeff and talked about it. And, um, you know, of course, they talked about the plans that for the facility that they were um you know obviously we've all seen what it what it came out to be which is tremendous oh and, wow yeah and um and the, the indoor facility so they kind of painted the vision for me and uh you know what they were looking for and of course i was like super excited about it you know i was like man this would be awesome and um they my again i'm a special ed teacher and they they were looking to expand in that department um so it was a perfect fit um and then so i then i then came like okay do i really want to commute down here an hour from bloomington like no um, cause that would be awful. I, you know, and I just, uh, I was being realistic about it. Like there's no way that would be miserable existence driving an hour every day. Um, and then I thought about in the season when you get off a bus at 10 o'clock yeah. and then you got to drive <laughs> home an hour, I was just like, it, it couldn't work. So I was like, in my head, I'm like, the only way this can work is if I can convince my wife <laughs> to, to look at this, you know, and, um, so we're driving down to spring break and uh so i had told her that i went down for an interview and that i was going to talk to him and you know she had already given me like that well don't don't fall in love with it because i like what i'm doing and <laughs> you know so she had already given me like a million reasons why it could never work and i was like well i'm gonna go down there and talk to these guys anyway and so we she was working at edgewood junior high at the time so uh, we, we drove down to, uh, meet my brother at the beach for spring break. It was, we were able to get away for a few days before practice started at Bloomington South and we're driving down here and, uh, on 69 and she's like, man, it's really just beautiful down here, you know, cause she was raised on a farm in, the, in Monroe County, but it was Southern Monroe County. Her yeah. dad has like 30 acres you know, so she was kind of out in the country and she likes that. She's like, it's beautiful down here. And I said, well, I said, right over off that exit is where Bar Reeve is. And she's like, oh, stop it. You know, and, um, but, but I had, like, I had, I had 10 hours to convince her that she hated being at Edgewood. And I, and I got that done. And, and by the time we got to Nashville, Tennessee, I had her convinced that she hated her job at Edgewood. <laughs> <laughs> and that she needed to apply for this English job that was open at Bar Reef. Um, and so I don't know, that was probably my best sales job ever to yeah. convince her 
from basically the the Washington exit <laughs> when she said it's beautiful to Nashville, Tennessee. They're like, yeah, you need to, if they have an English job, you need to apply because you don't like your job at Edgewood. So, uh, so she applied um, and, you know, she was fortunate enough to get a job uh, offer for an English position. And, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm a person of faith guys. And I just, it, it just felt like it was, god's plan for me to be down here i can't really explain it it was just because like i said it came out of left field with one phone call from a buddy of mine that knows travis um and then it was kind of one of those if you've ever had these situations in your own lives where like you put up these walls and tell yourself why it can't and well we can't get over this hurdle or we can't get what about this and what about and it seemed like every hurdle we had put up for ourselves to give ourselves a cop out or a reason why we couldn't do it and there was there was like a no here's here's how we solve that and it was like it just kept being like oh that's not a hurdle that's that's no problem and uh you know in my experience when when things like that are, are lining up like that it's like you got to listen and you got to take it seriously and yeah um i'm super excited that i came down here man i love it down here and i don't think honestly now that i now that my wife's here i don't think i could ever leave because she loves teaching at bari she loves the kids she loves jeff and travis and aaron and work it's a it's an amazing place guys i mean it really yeah. is and and you hear that from the outside but until you plug in and you meet you know the staff and the kids and, and you can experience what it's like uh and obviously i'm biased working there and coaching there but it it really is a unique place and so so now there's no way i can ever leave i mean we're here you know i mean because she loves it so yeah there you have it hope you enjoyed this rebroadcast of that episode from april 18th 2021 with bar reef coach trevor mcconnell on behalf of my partners the todd father deco I'm Brino. Tune in tomorrow on The General if you can't go. Listen to Mike DeCourcy cover all the action with head coach Josh Thompson as Bar Reeve plays Lafayette Central Catholic and hopes to bring home the 1A state title.